and turn to Romans 13, 8. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled my commandments. You know, this I'm sort of on, on afterglow of last week. Uh, 25 years, my goodness. And I've already mentioned from this pulpit already from what I wanted to mention last week, but there just wasn't any time. Uh, somebody said, boy, that sure was laid out good last week. Well, it wasn't because I did it. I don't know how to do stuff like that, but my wife does. She's a good organizer, and, and then I just follow the instruction and didn't do well at the end, but I, I pulled through. <clears throat> But, you know, you think about 25 years. I know I was in my mama's house the other day, hopefully for the last time, meaning that uh, going in that house, I'm depressed for several days after. And I know where my mama's at. I I don't know why it does me that way. I said, Cindy, what's going on? My father didn't bother me, but my mama, good night. And going in that house and getting some things that, uh, just started thinking and reminiscing and and then here thinking in 25 years and how fast things are flying by. Uh, Gerald Purvis, a preacher friend of mine, visited last week. Him and his wife taking a week of vacation. I said, Gerald, how old are you now? He said, I'm, I'll be 70 in November. I said, you just took a church and you're 70 years old? Have you lost your mind? He said, no, when you get there and when you set it down, if you've got a good mind and body, you, you're going to wish you hadn't have done it either. So I said, well, now you give me some inspiration. Five years, I'll be 65, and if I want to add a five onto that and I'll have the same health you do, then I'm looking more like 10 years. But nonetheless, I believe what Romans, Paul wrote in Romans that we need to learn somehow to live debt-free. Now, as I get older, that's important. You know, you're, you make your $40,000, $50,000, six, whatever it is now, but if you go to retirement, you won't make that kind of money. I mean, unless you got something going that you want to tell me about. <clears throat> the word debt is, is an obligation. It's like a bill. It's like a mortgage. Outstanding obligation. Is it a really a possibility that we can live debt free? Is it? Is it a good plan that we could live debt free? Now, there's some things I promise you you'll never be debt free from. If you own a home, you're gonna have to pay taxes till you die. You might get it paid off, and you oh bless God, I got it paid off, but the taxes go up on you. If you keep the power on, you're gonna have to pay utilities water. So we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have some money and then there will be things that we owe. But debt is a condition of being in bondage to another person. 
It's to be obligated to pay back what's owed. It's allowing another person to have claim against you. A debt creates relationships of bondage to the creditor. Some people say, well, no, I'm not really in debt because you know what? I pay my monthly payment every month. But if you didn't pay your monthly payment every month, would they be happy with you? So don't think just because you pay your debt, you're not in debt because you're in debt. I love my mama to death, but somehow or another, she thought that she could go in debt because the rapture was going to take place and she'd leave it up to somebody else to pay for it. Guess what? Rapture came to her, but guess who's dealing with a debt? A house that was over 50, I got 50 years in that house of a home and a life and, and as a kid and my mom and my daddy and fussing and fighting and getting along and having parties and Christmas and now we're seeing it go back to the bank. Why? Because mama thought we was all going to be raptured out and nobody be responsible for it. <laughs> Did that happen? No. It's worth four times. No, it's it's there's four times owed on it than what is a house next door sold for 39000 and we owe 98000 on it. Now, I, you know, it doesn't take a, a, a mathematician, but I ain't putting my note on that, or, or name on that. But I love my mama. Her dad are probably having a few discussions about that because <laughs> he had that thing paid off when he was 65 years old. You see, a debt can involve money and promises, possessions, times, and favors. The Bible also talks about borrowing. It says in Proverbs 27, 1, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Romans 13, 8, owe no man anything, pay all your debts, whether you're renting, whether you have a church note, whether you have a house note, car note, credit cards, whatever. Pay your notes on time if you're going to be claimed to be godly. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The borrower is servant to the lender. God does desire for us to be free from earthly entanglements. Listen to 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. Borrowing is based on the assumption that future conditions will allow us to repay the debt. Borrowing money can hurt our testimony, especially if, if we do not pay it back. I believe God wants us to be free from the lender. Now, I'm going to stop because all of you are already feeling, dear Lord, I didn't come here to feel like this. Well, let's not talk about your debt. <laughs> let's talk about our debt as a church. I preached this this morning, and I had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 people sign up to get us out of debt. I went to the bank, and I had this number Sunday, and I, I just didn't have enough time to share it with you. But we borrowed 10 years ago $600,000. We, we raised, with 200 people, $250,000. But not bad. Now, you couldn't build this building today for eight, I mean uh, $850,000. I promise you. Well... I got to thinking about that, and I said, how could we pay that off, Lord? He said, well, if you had 331 people to give $1,000, it'd be paid off. I said, boy, that sounds good. 
Well, I got to thinking, so some of you, it don't. Because some of you sitting there, I ain't got no $1,000. Well, then I got to thinking about what happens if, if we set this out a two-year goal. By the way, if we do nothing, if we do nothing but pay the note, it's 530309 monthly. We will pay it out five years and three months. I'll be 65. And it'll be, but let's pay it off in two because I got a vision. How can we pay it off in two? Well, if you would give $10 a week for 104 weeks, then you would be committing to $1,000, and I can add you on the 14 list and make you 15. There was a lady that went out this morning. She said, I'm not a member of this church, but can I give you $1,000 toward that debt? I said, does it say on my face I wouldn't? (laughs) Do you know how many sleepless nights I've had through the years of paying this off? Wouldn't it be so cool in two years that y'all caught the glimpse and vision, and then all of a sudden we paid it off, and then we could start that Christian daycare center in that front building and go ahead and and put the sprinkler system in it and go ahead and put the fire alarm system in it and then later down the road look at a Christian school and just keep on buzzing? You say, why don't you do the Christian school first? Haven't you noticed the Christian schools around here are bellying up? Want to know why? Ask the ones that put their ones in Christian school. <laughs> They'll tell you. So I looked at it like maybe we could do something like that if we had a Christian daycare up underneath it and kind of help and share the load along with the Christian school. And maybe between the two, they could survive. Just a thought. But I have a vision. Some of you waste $10 a week. You literally waste it. Cigarettes. Cut back. Maybe you won't die of emphysema. Cut back on your drinking. Oh, dear God, ain't nobody drinks go solid rock. Are you kidding me? I've heard about your Facebook pages. Why do you think God lets these men be stand before us as a testimony and says, if you don't wake up, Butch will have you in his program. Well, $10 a week. Not a lot. You say, well, what about if I want to do it in a year? That's $20 a week for 104 weeks, and it's done. You know what? Some of you got $1,000 right now you ain't doing anything with, and you just need to glorify God with it. That's what I did. Matter of fact, honey, I signed your name up. (laughs) Hey, man, I make it a family affair. Joe and Josh, I want your name on there too. If your wives work, put them on there. You got two years. Come up with it. Speaking of that, is Jaden and Ember in here, Kathy, in the children's church? That's all right. That's all right. I, I'm going to tell you what they did. Last Sunday, they came to this. I was sitting right here, and both those little girls come up here, and I said, boy, you need to. They handed me a check for $4 million. No, excuse me. It's $42. I'm going to clean them glasses there. Sounded good, though, didn't it? $42. Do you know how they got $42, by the way, is a two-year commitment at, at, uh, at 24 months. I said, how did you little, two little girls raise that kind of money? In the trash? They got trash 
and recycled the trash or the recyclable stuff out of the trash. And they went and recycled it and brought the church a check, the first check. I think somebody's given $10 in our retirement. Uh, I think I know who that is. To retire in the debt, we got $10. Now, I've got 14 people signed up today. When their 1000 comes in, that's $14,000. That's not bad. And that was the early service. I'm not asking you to sign that today because some of you need to pray about it. And, and all I want you to do is put your name and a commitment of $1,000 if you can do it. If you can do it over two years, do it over two years. And do it not because I ask you to. Do it because we... We need to pay this off for God, and we got other things that God wants us to do before he snatches me out of here. But I thought that was so cool. That's the most, that's creative. Very. Yes, ma'am. That is, that's very creative, isn't it? You see, if we do nothing, it's going to be paid off in 5.3 years. But wouldn't it be cool to bring God in on this? And what? Some of you said, I don't have the money. But I, I just don't have. That's the ones I want to sign up. Because let me tell you why. Because I really do believe with all my heart that the Holy Ghost is going to show you how he's going to send you that $1,000. But if you don't make a commitment, it won't happen. And I'm not at, don't, don't make a mad rush. Just pray about this. If you feel that, that's fine. But look, after the service, you're going to sign up fine. But I'm going to be doing this. You're going to hear from me till the first of the year because that's when we're going to really uh, be pushing. But listen, I don't want to pay somebody $26,000 to send a team in here to call everyone you make you feel guilty and pay for it. That's what it's going to cost me. $26,000 to have a, a capital fund program to come in here to convince you you need to give. Look. You either got $10 a week extra if you don't. If you don't, don't do it. And don't take away from your tie to the church. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that, and you don't need to do that. If you can't give $10 a week and, and, pull, and, and, not, and without having to give your tithe, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't let me put bondage on you. I just believe in two years we're going to be able to burn the note. Amen? Well... Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I'm telling you, this old boy up here has a vision. And, and those two little girls, they have vision. See it come, come to pass. Well, one Sunday morning, sitting in the, an old church building, the pastor was trying to raise money to redo. The building was collapsing on the inside. Now, you, you know, you've got a nice building. You don't have to worry about it. We tried to take care of it for you. But this one was falling apart. And, and as the pastor began to make a passionate plea, and he looked toward one of the rich men in the church, and, and all of a sudden a piece of plaster fell from the ceiling and hit this rich dude in the head. He said, Preacher, I'll give $1,000. Well, he no more got that out of his mouth that a bigger chunk fell and hit him in the head again. I said, I'll tell you what, Preacher, I'll give $5,000. Well, evidently, he must have yelled it so loud it jerked a big old chunk loose and hit him in the head. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to double that last pledge. Well, it rattled even a bigger one, and it came down, hit him in the head. He said, I'll tell you what, preacher, I'm going to give 20,000 deeds. And all of a sudden, the deacon began to shout, hit him again, Lord, hit him again, hit him again. Now, hopefully, it ain't going to take a big chunk of something to hit you in the head. If God wants you to give.
Because if God wants you to give toward this, whether you've got it or not, he's going to supply it through you. Hey, look, there's been many times I've given to something that I knew I was taking away from something else, and God just provided. I know my son gave, I won't tell which one, gave $1,000 towards something, and before, I think, he got home or the couple of days up, he got the $1,000 back. You can't help God give God if God allows you to give. You see, I don't believe everybody's going to be allowed, and that's fine. Don't want you to do that unless you're allowed. But you know what? Some of you can do more than $1,000. Some of you can do like this rich man. You can do $5,000. You can do $10,000. You can do twenty. But, you know, just don't, whatever God puts on your head, heart, don't let him have to hit you in the head first. <laughs> One pastor was looking at his congregation, and he said, you know what? We need to re- raise some extra money today in the offering plate. He said, I tell you, and, and and please, I hate to ask you, but we really need it. Well, offering plate came down. He looked down in the offering plate, and by golly, there was a $1,000 check. He said, I'm so excited today. I, wanna, I, I just want to know who gave that $1,000. Would you please just let us know who you are? And one little old dear saint in the back raised her hand. said, I tell you what, because you gave that today, we're going to let you sing Three hymns. You're going to get three hymns. Come down here so we can just love on you. So she walks down on her cane, gets down there and says, Now, pick out your three hymns. And she said, I want him and him and him. (laughs) While our motives for giving may vary. Even be diverse. Our true motive for giving should be simply that God's told us, commanded us to give. Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10 this. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, what's that mean? Is it okay that we have money? Yeah. I got, I, I'm going to foretell your future if you don't. You ain't going to be living nowhere other than somebody else's backyard or under a bridge or in, a, in somebody's old whatever. Who set up that money? Well, if you would go back and establish back in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 7, you'll see Jesus came to town with Peter, and all of a sudden, the priest came out and said, you mean to tell me? That Jesus is not going to pay the temple tax. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Do you have to pay the temple tax if you're a foreigner? Yeah. Well, what about if you're a homeboy? No. Jesus said, Just wanted you to know that, Peter. Make a note of that. We're not considered homeboys. But he said, I'll tell you what. Here's what I want you to do, Peter. Get your fishing pole and go down to the lake and cast it into the water. And when you catch your first fish, take the temple tax coin out of his mouth. Now, that's cool fishing. If we could do that on a regular basis, I believe my wife would let me go all the time. But you see, we, what we do... We take the tithe and buy the boat and the bait and the fishing pole on God's time when we go fishing. You see, that's not the way God intended it. 
Well, what is the reason for money? I'm glad you asked that. We'll give you four basic ones, and then we'll hush. Number one, a basic purpose for money is to provide, to provide for basic needs. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 8. Having food and clothing, let us be there with content. Oh, my. You mean to tell me that food and clothing? What about a car? What about an air conditioner? What about sweet tea? What about an ironing board and a washer and a dryer? That's all needs. They didn't have them in the early days. Can I tell you something about Jesus you didn't, well, you did, but you didn't think about? Jesus wasn't on Facebook. He didn't have a computer. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't blog, Twitter, or text. As a matter of fact, he didn't have one confounded electric whatever. And Jesus just did fine. He provided you and I eternal life without all that stuff. But yet you and I will leave the home. Listen to this. We'll leave the home. Oh, my gosh. And you'd think you just forgot the keys to your car. No, you forgot your phone. I've seen people fall apart. Can't work. Can't play. Can't eat. Till they find their cell phone. Some of you right now say, you know what? I'd do more for Jesus if I just had time. Well, what about that two-hour time you spend on Facebook? Why don't you give God some of that to, to where you could maybe read a devotional book or read something of God? You sure reading that Facebook and looking at pictures you don't need to be looking at. Boy, got quiet then. You see, financial bondage is an immediate consequence of misunderstanding of God's purpose for money. The purpose for money is not to provide security. You hear me? That's why not God intended money. God didn't intend uh, us to have money to establish independence or create power or even influence. He gave us money, number one, to provide the basic needs of our life. There's within each of us a desire to be self-sufficient so that we can be our own boss. We tend to pray this way. God, give us riches for our future needs. Give us this month our monthly paycheck. But God didn't teach that in the Bible. God taught Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, if, this, if there's been any church been taught this, we've been taught, don't anticipate on tomorrow coming. So don't live your life always expecting that you're going to have tomorrow because you may not. God created us to need Him. And we're only complete in Christ and apart from Him. The Bible says in John 15, 5, we can do nothing without Him. We begin to lose our contentment when we begin to compare what we have with what others have. How many of you are under the pressure of somebody that you're a loved one or a friend, and you hang out with them, and you just get depressed and go home, I want what they got. How come God won't give me that? Because God don't want to give you that. 
Maybe you haven't learned to handle what God has given you. Are you grateful for what you do have? How are you going to be grateful for something you don't have if you're desiring what you don't have, what you see somebody else has, and you're under this massive pressure because of it? We begin to lose our contentment, and the expectations then dominate our focus to the degree that our expectations increase and our gratefulness decreases. 1 Timothy 6 says, says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, discontent destroys our ability to enjoy the things that God has given us. Since our focus is on things that we think we should have and that He's possibly given or not given, Hebrews 13, 5 says, Be content with the such things as you have. Why is it that we're like Adam and Eve we always want more. Adam and Eve was given everything that they need, even to live in a perfect state spiritually, physically, and yet, what did Satan use? He used the allurement that they didn't have the fruit of the tree of good and evil that God was holding out. God wasn't holding out. He was protecting them. Thirdly, uh-oh. Let me tell you what the second one was. Well, I had it written down somewhere. You got it. Thirdly, is to give to other Christians. Let me tell you something. Some of the greatest joy that I had coming up as a teenager was finding out somebody that needed something, and I went and snuck and gave them the money and didn't tell them who it was. It's tough for me as a preacher this day and time because everybody in the world wants money. They come to the church, we need money. Well, I need money too. I never forget. How many of y'all remember Snuffy? Y'all remember Snuffy? Oh, Snuffy was, I was walking down the strip mall over there where Steve, uh, is the pizza place called Stevie B? He was right in there in a crevice. He had back in there. It was kind of dark anyway. And he, I was walking, he jumped up. Hey, I want to borrow a quarter. <laughs> I needed him to call 911. He scared me to death. I said, I'll tell you what, Snuffy, I'm broke. Can I borrow a quarter? He said, sure can. Here's your quarter. What goes around comes around. And he walked on. We got to not only be willing to take, we got to be willing to what? Give. I love the farming illustration of one kernel of corn. How many of you ever raised a garden and planted corn? How many of you ever had it to grow? Okay. <clears throat> you put 50 in this hole, and you come over here and put 40 in the next hole, seeds. And you come over here and put 30 in, is that why y'all planted your corn? Well, let's try it again. You put one cor corn in that hole, and you come over about 18 inches, and you put another. No, I didn't do that. I put one, and I come over three inches and put another one. Why? Because one of them might be a bad seed. So I got, I'd get a stand. That, that's just the way I did it. My grandfather said it. Anyway, 18, one, 18, and whatever, one or two. And all until I get the row planted. Well, when it comes up and it got wet and it grew, it produced how many average ears per stalk? 
two to three. How many pieces of corn is that? 1,000. That is cool. That says to me that Solid Rock Baptist Church could make an investment for 104 weeks of $10 and have $1,000 given to retire God's debt. Or not God's debt, our debt. We drug God in on this one. Fourthly, to illustrate God's power. God is a supernatural God. He wants to demonstrate His reality and power to both Christians and non-Christians. And one means by which He's chosen to do this is through the miraculous provision of money. Ooh, I wish I could... I had him, the author in my mind, but he had all of those children's homes. Help me out. Mueller. George Mueller. How many of you ever read about George Mueller? Listen. He had zero dollars. He didn't do like I'm doing, asking you to give. He prayed and asked God to put it on your heart to give. Well, I'm kind of asking to do that too. but And he built children's home after children's home that were paid for. He never financed a one of them. Malachi 3.10 says, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heavens and pour out a blessing on you. Did you know one of the false gods of our day is money? It has become an idol because people expect from it only what God can give. We think we can humanly figure everything out. We got this nice little thing humanly. Humanly will always leave you short. But supernaturally, God will come through. If it's a God thing. I already know what some of you have been saying, thinking the whole time. Mike, I'm so far in debt. I can't give you 10 cents. Okay. There was a church member that had the same issue, and he came to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I'm so far in debt, I couldn't tithe to the church and tithe my income if I wanted to. pastor said, John, if I promise to make up the difference in your bills at the end of the month when you tithe, and you just try it for one month, will you do it? He said, now let me get this straight. You're going to make up the difference of whatever I might be short on when I'm sitting here saying I don't have the money to tithe because I'm in debt. You're going to make that difference up. I'll take it. And then the pastor looked at John and said, John, think about what you're doing. You're willing to put your trust in a man like myself when I don't have anything, (laughs) but you won't trust your heavenly Father who has everything. You pay the Lord what you owe Him, and then above that, what you can, and what God will put on your heart, and I promise you what you owe God will come through. 
Now, that doesn't give you or me the right to go out and live foolish. Or like many who think, by golly, I'm going to put it all on credit cards. I'm going to put it all on this because after all, I'm going to rapture out of here and I'll leave the problem to somebody else. Just don't put me on your wheel, okay? I got enough of that. I wonder. And I'm not asking you today to do this. Because we got to the... I'm going to start really looking at things hot and heavy. The first weekend of the year. Because we're going to look at the year 2000... Let's see, 15... 2015 into 2016 to get this thing paid off. Some of you say, well, I just don't know what I can do. I got some creative ideas if you really want to do it. The two little girls have got a creative idea how to do it if you really want to do it. It's like I've watched people do this all. (laughs) Well, I just can't afford to give uh, Christmas is coming, and it's tough, preacher. I can't really do it. I can't do it. And then all of a sudden, they decide they want a shotgun, and they find this money somewhere. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? What we can find if we really want something. <laughs> oh, well. With your heads bowed.